What up, everybody? Welcome to another Unscripted Live, this time from Los Angeles. This is our first in-person Unscripted in over a year since COVID started, so it's quite exciting to finally have a guest in the studio. And well, welcome to Unscripted. You know, as we do on Unscripted, every, every week or so, we have a, a special guest on. And I'd like to introduce today's special guest, uh, DJ Newmark, a.k.a. the Human Metronome, a.k.a. Uncle New, <laughs> a.k.a. the Toy Machine, <laughs> a.k.a. Mark. Um, you may be familiar with Mark from his work as a DJ or producer, as a member of the legendary rap group, uh, Jurassic 5, or from his new album, Run For Cover, which we'll get into today with him. Welcome to the show, Mark. Man, thank you so much for having me, Big Matt, a.k.a. Cut Corners, <laughs> AKA, a.k.a. Coffee Bean. Coffee Bean, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of a.k.a.s today. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's great to have you in the flesh. This is really special. Man, it's uh, long overdue that we just hang out anyway, so this will be uh, fun just to catch up, man. Indeed, indeed. Um, so recently I saw you did a Twitch stream, seven hours, um, with Scratch Bastard, Maceo, Four Color Zach, uh, who else? Craze, Craze and J-Rock. J-Rock, that's right. And um, that was to promote... Real slouches, those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some, those are some, uh, some legends right there. Uh, I have to thank them profusely again over on this mic and say thanks, guys. I mean, they, they came through. Uh, you know, like, I just wanted a day where I could really sit back and watch my heroes. And uh, what I really enjoyed about that stream was everybody came with such a different style. It was crazy. Like, it was drastically different, everybody's set. So, you know, you think about this kind of thing, a live show or a stream, and you go, oh, it might have, you know, we might have some overlap or whatever, but nope, everybody was just on one, so in a good way. So thanks to them. Yeah, I mean, every one of those DJs has like really deep crates too, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And they can do it all, so it was really awesome, man. I I caught a, a a bunch of the sets and nice. I was just like, wow, this is really impressive. It was really great programming, great uh, theme too. Like a lot of people did cover versions, mm -hmm. so. On that, th this was to promote your um, your new record, Run For Cover. Yes, sir. Which just came out recently. It did indeed. Uh, Run For Cover came out October 8th. And um, it kind of came about from a set that I played in a market that I normally don't do that well. <laughs> I don't really get asked to go there very often in Europe. Uh, it's a spot in Europe. And so I played it, and it went over really well. And I was like, well, what? was different this time and I looked at my playlist in Serato and I was like ah I played about 70% maybe 80% covers <laughs> and so I just like how come I've never done a cover album I've always done just original material and then I was like well I actually have done covers but not cover albums I, done a, I did one in 2004 um, it was my first breakout outside of Jurassic 5 um, I did a cover of John Lennon's Imagine John Lennon's Imagine and that kind of had a late detonation. People kind of approached me about it about three to five years later. Like, oh, I need the vinyl. It was, it was a weird record, you know. And then I did it on J5's last album for a Brazilian joint called Canto de Asana, which that, oddly enough, ended up being Pandora's biggest streaming song from J5. I was, like, shocked oh, wow. by that. So everything was pointing to covers for me, and it's kind of how it came about. That's really cool. I mean, I feel like covers are kind of like a grail for, for people that collect records. DJs, you know, if you can kind of exhume a really clever cover version, you know, you got something special, right? It's the only thing that'll bring um, ingenuity or uh, innovativeness plus reminiscent 
vibes all in one song is a cover. You can't really do that with a lot of things. You can do it with a remix, I suppose. Mm. But with a cover, it really kind of <laughs> worms its way into your head, in, in the dance floor for that matter. And I like that idea, you know. Um, before this record, it was always kind of separate. Like, okay, this is my music, and then this is how I DJ. And I was always tr chasing melting those two worlds together, blending them together in some way. There's got to be a, a record that I'd want to play on, mm. on the road or a record that I would play that you know people would respond to in some way. Um, and that's what Run For Cover is. That's dope. Um, let's get into the, the single that you released uh, off of Run For Cover, which, with, which features Full Crate. Oh, first single from Amsterdam. Uh, this is the, the Bus Rhymes past the Cavorcier. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, <laughs> it's close enough, Matt. I've heard worse, bro. <laughs> okay, so this is, yeah, this is uh, DJ Newmark, Full Crate, Passive Cavorcier, uh, cover version of Run for Cover. Let's go. There you have it. That's the the new one off uh, Run for Cover, DJ Newmark album. This is Pasta Cavorcier. Now, what was the inspiration beh behind this one specifically? Why did you choose Pasta Cavorcier? It's it's a fun record to play out, and it, it doesn't seem to really age. It, when I play it anyway, it just seems to kind of fit into the mold of what I'm trying to express. And the f general theme of Run for Cover is to flip a song into a different genre. Uh, e using either you know future forward producers, someone who's innovative or you know has got the chops like Full Crate, mm. or a full band, you know like I did with the Cal Rhythm and Steel Band and the Traffic and so on and so forth. So yeah, th it just it worked. You know I'm Middle Eastern, I'm, I'm Iranian, half Iranian, so it seemed to make sense that I did my first Middle Eastern sounding joint, and so stars kind of aligned on that. Yeah, it's really cool. I was going to ask actually about the instrumentation. You got a, a bunch of different things going on yeah. there. You want to talk about that? Yeah, the guy that's playing most of like the flutes and really playing straws is a guy named Hassan. 
Min- Minowa, I want to say that's how he says the last name. I hope I didn't butcher that up. And but he was like featured on like the equivalent of America's Got Talent, but in the Middle East in like one. <laughs> oh wow! And so he came over to my house with like a box full of straws and played them like Middle Eastern instruments, straws and flutes and man, you name it. So some of the things he was able to play that I was trying to like convey to him and the others, a good amount of what you're hearing is actually plugins. Oh wow! So. Yeah, it was kind of a hodgepodge of things that came together. I couldn't hear the difference in the end, and neither could full crate. So we were like, "Yeah, let's keep it pushing," you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the mix sounds incredible too. Like it's really, it's really up, like modernized. I guess the song a lot too. Thanks. I've been working hard on learning how to mix better, and mm. this was, I think, um, a step in the right direction for me. That's actually one of the things I do like a lot about um, full crate and a lot of the guys from Amsterdam. Yeah, their mixes. I mean, yeah, they take it serious. Yeah, it's take it serious. And and you got to in this day and age, you know, everything is so, for the most part, pristine and polished, mm. you know. So, yeah, I agree with you 100% of those guys. Like they've got, well, I, I was talking to Jael actually um, for an unscripted pretty recently. And I was like, one of the cool things that I really like about specifically the Amsterdam guys is they, they, they kind of bring like the this EDM sensibility, yep. but they never go full EDM. Yep. You know, it's just yep. like the, I all the. I almost worked with him on this album. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We just couldn't get it to to gel to work. We couldn't get the, the times to work. But I'll be knocking on your door again, Jail. I'll be <laughs> knocking. Afternoon is knocking. Yeah, I mean he's he's actually another guy who does a lot of really cool covers on his IG. We yeah. talked about that when he was on the show. And yeah, yeah, good flips, good covers and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, what are some of your favorite cover versions of songs that aren't made by you? Uh I'm really bad with names, Matt. <laughs> Okay. Um, let me think. Hang on a second. Um, uh, the Brass Roots Band, I think that's the name of the crew. The Brass Roots Band uh, cover of Sweet Dreams by Your Eurythmics. Oh, yeah. For how thin it is, it really moves. <laughs> you, know, you know, we just got through talking about mixing and, you know, having the dynamics show up. Theirs isn't the most like, you know, hard hitting and they're not going for that. They're going for like clarity mm. and it still works. So there's something that has to be said for that. You know, like if you can still push the energy through um, without like, a, you know, huge 808s and, you know, um, EDM style uh, mixes, then you're doing something right. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and as funnily enough, I was thinking a lot about specifically cover versions and jazz, you know, jazz essentially you know, standards are cover versions yeah. of songs and reinterpretations of chord changes and, and so forth, right? If you're not familiar with standards in jazz, if you're watching, you know, uh, the standard is, is the most popular songs played by jazz bands, specifically, I mean, even t- to this day, but more probably more importantly in, in, in the bebop era and yeah. where they take chord progressions of songs and then just improvise on top of these chord progressions. Yeah. So y- you think about, like, covers are such an important part of, you know, musical history and... Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Covers actually are easier to put out than a sample, like much easier. So me covering an entire song is like 98% easier than me sampling a bar. Right. Which is insane. So we have a little work to do in the old... (laughs) (laughs) Sampling, recording, replaying, remixing uh, thingy here in in, in the States and worldwide for that matter, you know. Um, But yet another reason to do this album, right? I'm just, you know, I've gone through my whole life clearing samples and this is a lot of work, you know? And uh, I've gone away from sampling in the last, I'd say four years 
and have really gotten better at playing and taking my plugins a little bit more seriously and hunting in odd places for cool plugins. Total nerd talk. Sorry. No, no. This we is had what to we're do here it. For. We're here for that. <laughs> we're here for that. In fact, I was going to ask like um, that. I mean, I've, I've heard different people say different things about sampling, and recently we had Jake Wynn and uh, Mayor talk, talking about sampling, and they talked a lot about how similar similarly they were they were getting stung a lot for for samples, yeah. and that was really prohibitive to them. You know, being able to put out regular music, so they they had to adapt, and it, it forced them in a lot of ways. I'm going to call myself relatively young just because I feel good. Mm. And when you're young like us, I'll just I'm putting the good vibes out there. Don't <laughs> bash me on Twitter. You know, you're 50. Okay, I get it. But when you when we're at this age, now's the time to really buckle down and put out projects. It, that's mm. how I feel anyway. I have like literally a bucket list on my dry erase board in my studio and my okay, run for cover crossed out. You know, and I have the next one coming up, my next project that I've been putting off for quite some time, but to your point, it's like the samples and that those hurdles really get in the way with your releases, you know, and getting off the idea that you had, you know, a summer in 2018 or 2019, you know, can take quite some time due to all the sample clearances and everything, you know. There's a way around this. We just haven't quite figured it. I don't think any attorney wants to touch the samples, but um, we'll get there. I think we'll get there at some point. Uh, knock on wood. This is wood? This is wood, yeah. Is this Pergo? <laughs> I do have a question, though, regarding that. Um, yeah. Have you heard of Tracklib? The yeah. yeah. What's yeah. your What's your thoughts on that? I mean, they're amazing people. I mean, they're they're providing a service. They're trying to cut the edge off of, you know, all the calamity that's happening in sample clearance world. But, um, you know, I, I personally just dig in some of the weirdest places and i know a lot of those joints aren't on mm. Tracklib. um if i had more time on my day i would actually communicate with them like hey you guys could think you can hunt this one down and put it up there for everybody to use but you know i kind of come from the school too of trying to sample things that haven't been sampled um that's the meaning of the word fresh to me mm. but that too has gone out the window shit with my covers album it's like it's <laughs> all everything you've know. i mean snoop dogg ain't no fun you know so another reason why i did the record I just threw all my principles out the out of the fucking you know window uh but when i sample i kind of like to go deep you know and go into a place where it's like where my sample clearance agency agency is like damn new like how do you expect us to clear this and i, I get a, a little bit of a kick about uh, even though it's you know hurts me, yeah. I get a little bit of I don't know. I still kind of I like the hunt. Yeah, absolutely, you it's know? exciting, and I, I, it's also as a fan of of people that sample when when you know like people go down that rabbit hole yeah. and they flip something and everyone's like what yeah. what was that and when they find it it's really pretty cool. It's joyous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember last year, uh, rest in peace, MF Doom. Oh man, what um, a person. Yeah, My God. he flipped uh, a song uh, for his his track Arrowroot. Uh, instrumental off the special herbs uh series mm -hmm. and my friend and i were like just bugging about the sample for for a long time yeah he he was ahead you know obviously but down to earth when i spoke to him he was like yeah man whatever we got to do when i brought him into the blend crafters project he was just super down to earth talked a little bit about comics i used to collect comics and then i kind of shied away from it i just couldn't keep up yeah records yeah. took over my life but <laughs> super down to earth guy obviously on the level and not afraid to get his hands really dirty with some offbeat loop, some dirty sounding, you know, missing all the 12K and 7K up on top kind of stuff, which is cool by me, man. As long as the energy's there, all to the good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the funny thing, actually. The sample for Arrowroot was a sample off a of VHS, VHS tape of the BET 
jazz hour I love it. intro and i was like everyone was like what just the hell keep it coming just <laughs> keep it coming this is what it keeps us all kind of flourishing and listening to hip-hop and any kind of urban music for that matter you know keep yeah. it coming i've been hearing a lot of influences in latin music you know where they're sampling really bizarre shit when i i dig it just keep it coming yeah yeah there's no rules no um rules. so keeping it on on the cover topic um have you heard this jurassic 5 cover version before um, we're going to run this real quick. This is the Cheap Thrills Concrete Schoolyard. Um, I think these guys are from the UK, or this guy is from the UK. Here we go. Now I'm a Mercedes one time boy and that's my way We rock and shots and I'll fire through the hens in bed The contribution is clear, you add a water to bone And get the Jedi C5 on the microphone Now if you like the tone, the diamond is done All the sucker MCs die before they begun Well I'd like to know if you got the notions We're number one Just trying to say my style is better than yours I'm on some other shit I'm all about the beats and the lyrics So when you hear it, you can feel it Your vibe is energized by the presence of my spirit No interference, we persevere The purpose is clear, we're here to leave your ears Hurt and severe, we leave you lurking in fear we Take it back with love and lock We rock and turn around to side to spots We're hard not to be I often wondered if these MCs even know how it feels Dedicate the whole... Alright, I think that's enough um, But on I, a scale of 1 to 10 I don't think I've heard it I, You know, I, I scroll pretty pretty fast through my feed and i'm constantly posting and short attention span <laughs> i admit it um hey man um it kind of has like a blur feeling huh like, yeah like blur and uh the pixies yeah it's kind of grungy yeah a little bit in that in that vein i wonder what that blend would sound like either of those two guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe it might work i, I can't tell what key it is at the top of my head eh? but uh not bad i mean yeah i i'd if I were to play it, I'd probably play it for about eight to sixteen bars, and as a like a uh, a way to transition to something bigger. Yeah, you know. But uh, kudos to him. What's his name? Cheap Thrills. I don't Cheap know his, thrills. his right real on, name, brother. but yeah, it's well, not bad. No, nah, we appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know that's the cool thing about covers is sometimes people take something really hype. Not that that song that he covered is incredibly hype, but I mean, like sometimes people take really hype or energetic songs and make them ballads, which I always crack up about and then vice versa yeah but with this album i really wanted to keep the same tempo and kind of keep it i guess semi-dance floor you know or a different spin you know but go cheap thrills all right <laughs> waking me up in the morning <laughs> are there any um uh you, so you talked about a cover version what, so what was your favorite cover version you said um on this album yeah man it changes from day to day now because I was having second guesses about the Everybody, Everybody. Oh, yeah, with the, the Bacal steel yeah, drum band. Yeah, and then I kept getting really good feedback on it when I would play it for friends in the studio or DJs. So I shied away from that. But I, I kinda, I'm kind of feeling the groove is in the heart. It, it's, it's packing a wallop. It has a nice 808 breakdown. And then it also has a nice, like, funk breakdown where you know the drummer's really giving some. Um, so that kind of encompasses where my brain was at on this record, you know, like I, yeah, so I'm, I'm over there right now. Yeah. Nice. It'll change tomorrow. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> oh, that's me right. Too, I forgot, yeah. bro. <laughs> I think we're very closely, um, yeah, birthdays I'm, I'm are very 10, close. June 10. Yeah. June 10. I'm June 9. 
Oh, shit. That's right. Look at this, man. How about that? Good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> um, now, speaking of cover, keeping on the, on the theme of cover versions, there was a specific event that you did mm. for, I think it was the Fat Beat three-year anniversary, mm. uh, or was it the Root Down, Root Down Sound Clash, or were they the same kind of thing? Uh, I th- it was a Fat Beat three-year anniversary, if it's the clip I think you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, uh, shall I, I, I should probably just play the, the clip um, so you can, so there's more context for the audience, and then we can probably talk a little bit about the story, but yeah, here we go. Um, this is uh, the Fat Beats three-year anniversary and Newmark going off. Uh, this is probably a little bit of interview. Hey, The crazy thing about that, what you guys got, is I literally went to San Francisco, bought the Gujung, and drove back with Charlie Tuna. He figured out the notes before we got to L.A. And when we got to L.A., uh, he was practicing it. So I had already heard it before he actually did it on stage. So I was playing it in the car, learning it in the car. I was just proud when he pulled it off on stage. I was like, ah, he did it. It, Ooh, it sounds tight, you know what I mean? That's the craziest thing about that footage. It's like, that's me playing it for the first time. That's me playing that part for the first time. So, and to watch the crowd react like that, I was like, man, that really is truly the meaning of the word fresh. And then- All right, so yeah. Hmm. T- can you tell them, elaborate a little bit more on that story? Because you, you, you say, they were saying you went on the road, you were on the road, you, you bought that thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the first time I played it. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, my man, Cut Chemist, has the steel trap for the memory, so he probably know every detail, hour, play-by-play, who was in the room and everything. Uh, I am not as good. But um, there would always be a section in the J5 shows where we would break it up with some instrumentation, um, and I would, introduced, I would introduce kind of a rare-ish type of instrument, like maybe a kalimba for One Love, Nas at the time, or as you see, the Gujong for East Flatbush Project. And uh, this was my attempt at that. And it came about, those sections in the J5 shows came about because they're four MCs and there's a lot of vocals. Mm. And we really didn't do the hooks where the MCs would stop and there'd be like scratch hooks or musical hooks, like, you know, like would reminisce, you know, a reminisce, a reminisce, where it's just minimal vocals, right. but the horn's doing all the heavy lifting. We didn't really do those kind of hooks. So I always told, cut really i was like man we really need to break it up because it's very rappy 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 all the way through and so these little segments ended up you know <laughs> igniting the crowd i guess in a good way and i'm just glad they made it oh man that's so cool like honestly that was one of the coolest things i've seen did you did, so how did you even find out that that was the instrument because this is 99 man. so this is like kind of pre-internet I you know i think i was looking here in chinatown koreatown japantown and i wasn't finding the instrument I would find things that were close to it, but the timbre was different. So I somehow called uh, San Francisco's uh, Chinatown and got a hold of somebody that sells instruments. So I forget who even gave it to me. I talked to him on the phone. I'm like, you have a Gujong. You sure? They're like, yes, we have it. I'm like, it's not a Koto. No, no, no. We have a Gujong. I'm like, okay, okay. And we drove up and drove right back down for the show. Wow. Yeah. It that's insane. That's I mean, that's <laughs> digging. 20s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> got that energy. Nothing to do. <laughs> 
<laughs> no responsibilities. <laughs> I mean, that I mean, that's a pretty good responsibility, though. You yeah. Know I, mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, my my mother's an immigrant from Iran, so like, I, I watching her work, you know, it's impossible not to learn how to work watching her. I mean, at Kaiser for 43 years and head of the department, learn the language. I mean, she, my mom is a G, dude. So if I were to do anything remotely lazy, man, she let me have it. So, yeah, you know, but it's it's fun. It's not like I'm just working, you know, obviously it's, it's music. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's like I get to play the show, not I have to play a show is yeah. the mentality, right? That's true. That's a really, yeah. I think it's just so cool, like what you bring to a show, though, performance wise and I, I want to talk about that a little bit too. Real quick though, I want to give a quick shout out to some people in the chat. Um, Funk Hunters are in here. They, hey. they they were asking us at live. Shout out to Funk Hunters. You're playing on the Funk, Funk Hunters Twitch channel pretty soon, right? I, I just did last night. That's last how night. you know it's live because I just <laughs> dated it, man. What's up, Nick? Uh, what's up, Dunks? Uh, what's up, Funk Hunters? Yeah. No, we played last night and they had a fanta fantastic show. And uh, yeah, man, I had a blast. Awesome. I'm going to give a shout out to a couple more people in here. We've got Steve Mald, Manila Ice, Last Call 4781, Bakewell OLB from the UK. We got this Twitch, which slaps. Uh, we got a couple other people here. Um, yeah, we got, the, we got the fam in here. Miss Shady, Miss Shady, Soul King Beats. Oh, man. I wish I had a cool name like Manila Ice. Manila Ice is a very cool name. Damn. Yeah. If I was an MC, I'd be Handlebars. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like great. Like half for the beard and half for my dope rhymes man <laughs> i catch wreck son handlebars that's really good <laughs> and it really ties in well, you, know? you know there's gonna be somebody trying to battle me you already know this oh, man yeah. there's gonna be people like get you know in my face i'm like uh i really don't rhyme i'm just talking to my boy coffee bean having a good time <laughs> yeah coffee bean <laughs> is not my mc name uh, just so you know um that's your that's your producer alias when you producer. do all those flips you yeah. don't want to get caught for your samples <laughs> That's my secret burner SoundCloud account. There you account. go, your burner account, son. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, just on that though, on the the fact the the amount of work that you put into your DJ sets, I just wanted to like, what 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 does that what does it mean to you to be a DJ? Like, what are you what are you trying to achieve wh as a DJ when you're doing a DJ set? Mm, really, a feeling, just a feeling. I, um, if I can get an uh, an energy in the room uh, for the specific set that I've put together, or not, if I'm freestyling, I'm trying. I'm trying to look at the room and go, I want X, Y, Z energy, you know? Um, and you get better as it, at it as you go. You know, I came from house parties where, you know, people would be like leaning over the turntables with 40s or Jungle Juice, like play King T right now and you better have it in your crates. Like I grew up on requests. So I giggle a little bit when everyone's like, no requests. I'm just like a guy with his hand in a woman's face. I'm <laughs> oh, like, man, God that, damn, y'all like, <laughs> shit. So for me, that was my training ground, like requests on the fly while people were dancing in a parent's living room that was out of town, right, or a backyard. Um, and it was like, oh, they're letting us play for two hours, three hours. We actually have a party. The cops haven't come yet. So I, I'm cut from that cloth. So um, getting good at um, requests was a real skill set when you're like in the middle of NWA and they're like, we want Guy. And like, okay, let me transition out of that. Let me have some, I need something. I need a leapfrog from, you know, um, it gets, you know, um, Panic Zone or wherever song we were on <laughs> into, Panic Zone is a bad example, by the way, <laughs> into, into Guy, you know, especially if you might be at like a 125 BPM, but you know what really was a dope event that I've seen transitions 
go over really quickly was Red Bull's three style. Because mm. the first time I judged it with Jeff and Craze and um, Scratch Bassett, and these dudes were like going from like 90 BPM to 118 in a matter of like two to three records. And I was like, yo, how the hell? Like I'm used to the steady build and maybe it's from house parties, right? But um, really impressive shit. Like, you know, I, I love learning from people younger than me or just people in general. And um, yeah, so we were evolving big time, especially with all this, all the new uh, pieces of gear and key locks and all the stuff that's happening, you know, yeah. Sync, yep. Sync. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, obviously the technology really allows for much more control over songs mm. than without technology. Um, but yeah, transition times, I mean, Man. Red Bull, shout out Red Bull 3 Star and yes. shout out the, the DJs that compete in that. And shout out Kenny Mack. And shout out Kenny Mack, Vancouver's own. Yes, I um, miss you, Kenny. We miss, miss you, Kenny. We miss you, Kenny. Um, I mean, yeah, that guy can party like an like I animal. I like everything about Kenny I love. Mm -hmm. everything and he loves music like yeah, so much dude. He, he says things to me i'm like you you saw when i played that oh, okay cool you know he likes to play hard and he likes to work hard that's my kind of guy yeah good dude and and at the core of that whole competition is that passion for the dj and absolutely. DJing, pushing it forward absolutely because um yeah i've seen you i, I was, so, was with you in tokyo for the 2015 yeah i think we were also in chile chile my man yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've I've been really it's been a real pleasure actually to see your sets at those events mm. because I feel like you put a lot of work into those sets. Um, I mean, you put a lot of work into all your sets, but it's, I mean, even uh, I was talking to Blakey earlier who works for Serato in London. He was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm talking to Newmark," and he's like, "Oh man, every time I've seen Newmark play, it's been inspirational. He has never yeah. played a bad song." And Damn, Blake, I'll send the check in the mail <laughs> like about you know 5 p.m today it'll, it'll, it'll hit your paypal how about that <laughs> but it's true it's it's really true like your sets are really Thank well you. thought out and really and really they just if they're improvised i don't know how you do it but every everything really moves really well no i kind of like i have like stems i call them not like stems and songs but like i go and when it's a live show i kind of play the first 10 or 15 songs and then i go okay i'm gonna go down this route this route or this route it's kind of like price is right door number one two or three mm. and then that's how i move through my sets so sometimes it's dead on what i thought they would like in the first place sometimes i'm way off by the time i hit that 10th song and i'm like okay new come on they don't want to hear latin shit right now they want to hear that trap you know or mm. they want to hear you know vintage hip-hop or golden era whatever you want to call it so yeah i mean you're 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 constantly thinking and feeling as you're djing or at least i am and uh, I know when I get that weird feeling, I know I got to switch up some shit. Mm. So, you know, I guess we all do at some point, right? <laughs> you're it's in a room and you're like, whoa, this didn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's like active listening, right? Yeah. And sometimes the hottest records just flunk. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been through that a bunch of times. They yep. have a you know, preconception of what they want to see Newmark do. So you better fucking do it. You know, like some people just want me to play all Jurassic 5 songs and it, right. it's just not going to happen. Like I lived that for 20 years or whatever it was you know like you know i'll throw in things and little cheeky transitions maybe you know uh your boy uh what was his name blakey maybe no not blakey the guy who did the cover oh oh cheap thrills <laughs> cheap thrills <laughs> my so guy, I, might yeah. I might throw in a little cheap thrills you yeah, know yeah. but you know i'm not gonna make it a whole j come on you know like yeah you know that's for a j5 show that's what makes absolutely that's what, that's what makes the group special Absolutely. It's funny to hear you say that, too, what, when things don't work. And I was actually talking to Sonny about this earlier, mm -hmm. um, you know, with 
at recognizing the fact we've been in COVID pandemic world for uh, you know over a year and a half now, uh, still kind of within it, you know, yeah. within the the grasp of that, uh, and gigs are starting to return. Um, and he was he was telling like telling me like oh man I played this gig and and certain things just weren't working and yeah. you'd think they would and and, and I was going to ask you what's your yeah. experience been like since playing all, it out again all of what Sonny said Sonny <laughs> is on it like a hornet baby <laughs> well no I opened up for uh, Wu Tang and Big Boy from Outcast about a month ago in Denver it was like too many damn people they spent like forty million on this venue it was insane oh my gosh. a lot of people showed up obviously sold out. And things that I thought would kill, well, you know what? The more I think about this gig, it was a weird gig because people were still kind of filing in as I was playing. They were almost at capacity as I was playing, but things that I thought they would lose it on, it was just like they're watching me. That's the other thing that happens sometimes when you're doing a little too much wiki-wiki or doubles or whatever, mm. you know. They, they'll end up just kind of like arms crossed, like, oh, shit, you did that. You did. It's not a disrespect. It's just... You know, uh, too much information. They're in Mr. Rogers mode. They're just kind of eyes glazed over watching. You know, so there's those crowds too. You know, so yeah, it happens. I think that's an interesting uh, balance to strike too. I think I've talked to a couple of people about this, and that they all kind of agree. Like you, you, you don't want to do too much, right? You've got to figure out that gotta, balance. You got to move it from the head to the heart. That's that's the thing. You know, and so if I know I'm there and they're just kind of barely moving their head, I'm like, ah, dude, come on. Yeah. You know, start start doing things that shift emotion, not not the mind. You know, the mind will come later. You know. But but one of the things that you do actually though is I think one of like you create specific routines for for entertainment. You know, purely one of those things, the toy set. Yeah. Um, the toy set uh, is something like I feel like everyone, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out in real life because I saw it and I've actually helped you with some of the, the MIDI stuff that you I'm did. I'm sure you did. I was it was it was a constant battle. I did that <laughs> shit for seven years and I always got my ass kicked at soundcheck. Yeah. Always. <laughs> like the you know when your stomach hurts? Yeah. You know when you got to do those shows where your stomach hurts and you're like, "Fuck, I know, man. They're toys. They're not going to it's not going to read MIDI on this thing or you, you know when some shit's fragile or you get to the airport and you open up your case oh, and yeah. shit is smashed. That's happened to me in Germany. It's happened to me in the uh, Netherlands, you know. It happens. Shit happens, right? And so the more stuff you travel with, and the less people you travel with, the more room for error. But error. But uh, yeah, you gotta you know dust yourself off and keep it bubbling, you know. But 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 talk about the toy set. Like that was that's never. I've never. I mean, if you haven't seen it, well, I've got an example, so we can we can pull it up in a second. But I just want to hear a little bit about like the concept behind doing that. Like, yeah, you, you know, like did you collect toys? Like. Not necessarily. I was um, there was a part in J Five show again where we needed some instrumentation, and it was in the DJ routine area of the set. Um, once Cut left the group, I realized that I had to go kind of full blown with some toys and add. You know, I w there was more heavy lifting on my part. Um, I really relied on Cut to like, hey, hold this instrumental while I play this thing or yada, yada, whatever it is. You know, there's always a baton passing in that group. That's really cool. And so when he left, my mind had to really explore for I think that was a year or two, maybe maybe a year or two. But by the time I was like, oh, I think I got the hang of it, the group broke up. And then I was like desolate. I was like, oh, snap. Like, I never wanted to be a front person. I always wanted to be in the back, hide behind the hat, the whole thing. And then I was just, you know, one night just kind of dreaming. It's like, well, what would happen if I filled the whole stage with toys? You know, like I got this one crazy innovative toy called Music Blocks. Like there's got to be others out there, you know. So went all the way back down from the chimp from the late 60s to the latest, greatest, you know, SP-1200 sounding 
toy, you know, and just just became a real nerd. At it. I was already a nerd, but I really immersed myself in it and uh, worked at it for a while, and it paid the bills. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> the mortgage was paid. <laughs> but, <I> mean, Adulting. <laughs> you even you even created like the the shirt, right? Like you had oh, the yeah. the seven inch vinyl shirt yeah. that you were tapping. Like. Yeah. So that was created for our. Uh, our reunion with J5 at Coachella, uh, which was, um, yeah, we hadn't really talked or been in a room for quite some time. So I, you know, I told Cut, hey, we should really kind of start creating the technology now. And that was w one of the easier pieces. There were gold seven inches that triggered drums from the Serato sampler. But the bigger hurdle was it took about five months to create this gigantic turntable that was five feet by five oh feet in God. diameter. And that fucking thing gave me gray hairs like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that thing kicked my ass all the way up and down the court, all the way till showtime. And so, um, yeah, you know, but, you know, you got to push yourself, right? You know, you, you got to do these things to, uh, it's all for the benefit of the people. They paid hard-earned money, you know. Some ladies are single, and they, they, they spend their last dollar to see you. You know, some guys are going through child support shit and they man I, I need to say j5 man they're sacrificing for me so i gotta sacrifice for them that's so you know? cool that that's just so cool i, I just love that dedication to the craft and um i'm gonna pull up a a, a, a performance of you doing the, t the toy set this is pr pretty early on this is like 2013 um at amoeba in la shout out amoeba records um they just moved too so let's just the uh, better one is from my site by the way oh should yeah. we go there? I think you should. Okay, you, you direct me. But it's really interesting because every time you search my set, theirs comes up first. So I'm doing something very poorly in YouTube world. Okay, so it's probably the second one down when you went in the list view oh, of, okay. of Google. Um, yeah. Mark. I think that was the last time my father saw me uh, perform too. It was at Amoeba. Oh, really? Yeah, that was the last time he saw me perform. Because your father, your father just recently just recently passed. passed yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not that. Okay, second one. Boom, boom. This one? Yep. Okay. All right.
Yeah, he, he's pretty good at timing, though. <laughs> I say I can't hear shit back here. <laughs> Man, put it in work. that one for sure you better get some flames in the chat for for newmark <laughs> on that that shit is wild i haven't seen that in ages dude <laughs> oh my gosh man oh my gosh dude 
Yeah, I mean. And I've never tried Coke. <laughs> Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> <laughs> I barely drink Coca-Cola. I've never tried Coke. <laughs> Shout out Red Bull then, hey? <laughs> yeah, right? Shit. Man. So, yeah, like, you did you, you were digging for these instruments too, right? Like, the yeah. main toys that played stuff. You know, anything that would just push me, you know, kick me in my ass, and I would yell over into the other room, I can't figure it out, you know? Yeah. I kind of uh, box in the mirror my whole career, unfortunately, but it, it gets me to the other side. I'm always uncomfortable, Matt. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> I was even uh, as we were watching uh, the, the the monkeys clapping, and I'm like, you know, is this is this on tempo? Like, and you were like, no. So it. the monkey, he was really, really difficult. You know, that's from '68 or '69 that piece, and so it wasn't until I got a power cord, which comes out of his ass, believe it or not. <laughs> that's where the battery pack lives, is in his ass. Of course, digging in this guy's ass. <laughs> trying to get it to stay on fucking tempo. <laughs> and it sort of did once I had regular power instead of Ds. Four Ds, I think that thing takes. Wow. Well, so it's always yeah. off, you know, tempo. So I the only reason why I'm called a human metronome is because I have to follow that fucking guy. <laughs> 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 Who coined that phrase? I feel like it was – I heard that first at Playlist Retreat. Yeah, I, I maybe flip out. Flip out. He's always coming up with something hysterical. Maybe flip out. I don't know. Shout out flip out. Just had a baby. Man, congrats, Flip. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, that, that, it's it's crazy. Like, uh, I've had some great times with Flip out on the road. <laughs> yeah, he's a great. One guy. of my best memories of Flip out was we were really drunk after one of the shows, and Craze and Four Color Zach came back to the hotel with McDonald's in our in their hands, and we were really jealous. We were really hungry, and he got really upset, so he kicked the McDonald's bag out of Four Color Zach's hand, and it was hysterical. Like we were in the hallway <laughs> on our backs laughing. It was. It was Good times. That's. Uh, I feel like you have to be very comfortable with somebody to be able to kick a McDonald's I think so. Out of I, they were able to salvage the cheeseburgers and stuff, but it was hysterical. Wow. And of course, nobody remembers any of it except me. <laughs> that's a yeah, yeah. That's a testament to a healthy liver, right uh, there. I slapped him. <laughs> but um, yeah. Hey, shout out in the chat, everybody tuned in right now. Hello. This is all the way live. One cool cat. Big up, one cool cat. What up, Sir Jazz? We got uh, Steven here, DJ Roche. Sulking Beats, yeah. Is that Roeshe, like spelled R-O-E-C-H-E? That is right. I'm sorry if I if I got I the name. I, I, I don't know his name, but I just introduced myself to him uh, at the Laker game. He was killing it. He he's was DJing at the Yeah, he's game? a DJ. At the, I, if it's this, I don't see the monitor in front of me. But he yeah. has a very interesting spelling to his name. Uh, I hope that's the right guy. If it is, put a thumbs up, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, shout out LA Lakers. There too, you go. Yeah. Preseason. Wow, little Dave's in here as well from Philly. Right on. What's up? Oprah Winfrey apparently is here. And oh, Ruche, thank you, Ruche. Yes, Lakers game right guy. Oh shit. I got it. I got something <laughs> right in these damn chats. I I'm not a candidate for LASIK surgery, so like when the chats go up, I don't shout out anybody, but I squint really hard and I think I botch a lot of people's names. Oh hey. So you're helping me today, dude. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest with you, man. I butcher names and Twitch to us. Yeah. The, the biggest challenge. For me, I mean, it's, uh, it's no toy set, but DJing, reading the Twitch feed, yeah, dude. and getting the name pronunciations right. Yeah, or what they said and responding to it. Uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, often... I'm I'll not cut out for it, Matt. <laughs> I'm really not. And I magnify the chat, too. Dude, so mine can, can be as big as this fucking poster. <laughs> it looks like Fran Boogie and a mixture of uh, one of my homies. Damn. It does look like Fran Boogie. Yeah, Shout out, Fran Boogie. Bit, yeah, what up, Fran? <laughs> he ain't listening. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> often my technique for you know navigating the Twitch combo is asking, hey, I don't know how to say your name. I think that was a great example right there. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, yeah, yo, yo, shout Furukawa what, York. Uh, what ethnicity are you, man? Uh, Roeshe, Roeshe, Roeshe. Roeshe. 
Yeah, what, what ethnicity are you, man? Middle Eastern? No, that's he's got to be Latin, right? What? We'll find out. I'm gonna botch this one up too. This and this is the thing. Curious it's, now. It's trick. It's tricky. To um, rock around. But um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, Lakers. Are you, are you a Lakers fan? I mean, yeah, man. I you know my cousin got you know season tickets, and I'm like, come on, let's go. Get me out of the lab. Let's do it. So we sat there, and I heard this DJ behind me killing it. I'm like, man, I gotta go say what's up to this guy, man. He's doing big things. So yeah. Shout out to him. Shout out to DJ Severe, too, at um, Dodger Dodgers Stadium game. and Jay Espinosa. Both of those guys playing it at Dodger Stadium and Giant Stadium. That's right. Playing uh, Ain't No Fun and the Pas Pasta Cavassier single from this new Run For Cover album. So, man, that's couldn't ask for anything more. That's yeah, that's uh, epic. Makes that's me look cool in front of my relatives when we're watching the game, Matt. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's something that relatives can understand, yeah. you know, because if they don't really get the music thing, chances are they'll probably get sports. Well, in the... Uh, past the Cavassier video clip, you know, like the promo clip, I, I showed my mom the song, and she goes, so what do you do, scratch, scratch, scratch? And I'm like, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm literally saying, I, I did a lot of the music for Jurassic 5, Mom. Hmm, she went like that. <laughs> she still doesn't know what I do for Shut a Shut up, Mom's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But they bring us into the world. They create <laughs> she, life. She's super supportive. You know, she's trying to catch up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I can, I can understand there's a, a misunderstanding for Absolutely, sure. dude. We're doing some crazy shit, dude. Compared sure. to what they did? Come on, man. Yeah. Insane. But and, and shout out moms, too, especially moms that, you know, helped us and fostered our creative. Uh, Absolutely. Our lives, you know. I mean, it's not easy to have, you know, a kid that say, says to their to your parents, like, hey, I want to be in the music business because yeah. I know a lot of people, even my dad who's in the music business, was yeah. not really down with that answer. Well, I dropped out of x-ray school. Oh. And because that was my backup, but I'm really terrible at the whole backup thing. And so I walked out of class one day, and that's when J5 sold like 120,000 or 150,000 units independently. It was like everything was bam, 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 and then we were touring like nonstop. I was like, okay, right place at the right time. I stepped when I needed to. Mm. So the world is a strange place. It's, uh, not enough people talk about timing, man. Yeah. You know, on podcasts and panels and stuff. I'd like more people to talk about timing and, um, and time in general uh, and finances with musicians. You know, uh, well, way to m ways to make passive income. That's the panel I want to be down with. Anybody listening, I, I want to be down with that. I can contribute quite a bit because I've got my fucking teeth kicked in quite a few times, touring, spending, you know, all that. Well, yeah, let's let's get into that. I mean, oh I think shit, it, here we go. Not? Finances with Matt <laughs> Coffee Bean. <laughs> I mean, I can't really speak too much, but I mean, I think there is is a really interesting thing that uh, a perspective that you'll have that most people won't understand, especially because I think a lot of times people go, "Oh, you're DJ Newmark from Jurassic Five and you know, you've been on TV, you've done this, you've produced records. You must be multi-millionaire. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. But, but the music business, as a lot of people know, is uh, like up and down, right? So right. can you talk about navigating those peaks and valleys? Well, you know, disclaimer, when I was starting to do the investment that I did, it was also the year 2000, right? Oh, okay, and yeah. things were much different. I'm speaking about real estate, <laughs> you know. And you can get into a home very easily, as we saw after the bubble, you know, right. landed on everybody's head. Um, but they were giving away loans like candy, and I wasn't really buying nice cars. Actually, I drove a bucket with spray paint on the fucking hood all the way through the height of our career. Like, quality control, I was driving a bucket. Uh, what's gold in that album? Bucket. You know, we were gold-selling artists. Major label. Major label. Uh um, Interscope Records alongside with Trey and 50 and Eminem, you know, and, um, yeah, so I just was like, look, I just want to be settled because I know there's going to be a time where, you know, everything that goes up must come down, right? So I just kind of had that in the back of my head. 
Um, and so I bought something very cheap as a rental, bought another thing very cheap as a multi-unit, and then bought my um, single-family home and just done that. But there's also things like brokerage accounts where you know your money can grow uh, where you're not really babysitting it. It's kind of like mutual funds on steroids a little bit. Okay. You know, you can go to your bank if you have a good chunk of change and you don't want it just sitting there collecting dust. Look, when the money's sitting there in your account, it's it's you're going backwards actually because right. ten years from then, that hundred k ain't going to be worth a hundred k. It's going to be worth like our seventy or eighty k or whatever the hell. It's going to change drastically. So you have to make the money work for you in some way. Has to go out through all the robots and you know do its thing and grow on its own. So that's something I learned very early on because I saw in like two years' time there was like heavy inflation. Yeah, I was like, damn, records are that much. I would try to bargain with the dudes in Japan, you know, trading records or uh, buying records for that matter, and in the UK, and they're like, yeah, that'll be um, you know, 130 pounds, mate. And I'm like, whoa, yo, when did this jump up? Oh, it's rare, and yada da. You don't see it in the states, and then so that was one of the things that. You know, being an avid collector or trying to be, I should say, I I got my ass kicked and it woke me up. You know, it shook me and I was like, okay, it, this can't be just all music. You have to diversify. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, that's all it really comes down to. But yeah, I won't go into a big spiel. No, no, I people think gonna, people are gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Honestly, though, if, hey, money on my mind. It, it, yeah. It's on, it's on everyone's mind, and I do especially think in this climate too, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think it's interesting. You you've drawn some parallels there between collecting records, which is something that especially if you're into DJing, you, you may have done early on and you right. understand that buying a record for, you know, a dollar or even $10 can yep. sometimes end up being a lot more, 50 or 100 or even more. Just one last point, like on the real estate tip, you know, if you can get past the down payment, do it because you're throwing money into the fireplace when you rent anyway. That's true. Right? So if you can get past that, whatever it is, 20%, 25% now has gone up since when I jumped in. I think when I started it was 15 or 20. Um, but if you can get past that hump, you're golden. You can you can you can make it happen. Fight for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 when you said a chunk of change too, I'm interested to know, like, are we talking about a thousand dollars? We're talking about five, ten, fifty? Like when I did my first purchase. Yeah. When I did my first purchase, I had a hundred k in the bank. Oh, okay, that's a and lot. And I put sixty k down. Oh. Okay. So I drained my bank account. You know, relatively speaking, you know, that's not a lot of money to be sitting in the bank and you're traveling the world and all the homies are like, you know, that have been on Interscope or driving nice rides. And True. like you said, people think you're something that you're not. So for me, I was like, I know I can make it grow. Uh, let me just, just fucking get mud in my teeth all the way through this and see if I can come out the other side, you know? Yeah, I think another thing, uh, something that Gene, my partner, mm -hmm. told me early on. Shout outs, Gene. Yeah. What up, Gene? Carla good, says hello, too. Good good with the money. And she, there you go. she said specifically, like, often you can buy a place that you don't necessarily want, want to live in. That's true. And I think you just talked a little bit about that. Yeah, multi-units is, is, you know, the more doors, the better. That's, uh, man, that's power. The more doors, you know, and you don't have to be a slumlord. Like, I, I got bashed on Twitter when this whole thing happened because they were like, okay, all the renters, you don't have to pay rent for whenever they said they don't have to pay rent for Oh, for COVID? It. Yeah, and I just wrote, what about landlords? And I got annihilated. They were looking at it like, I said, what about huge developers? But yeah. I'm a small-time <laughs> guy that's scraping by just to have what we call, you know, retirement money because Social Security won't be here. That's been said over and over again. I'm taking heed. 
and I'm, I'm sure a lot of DJs in the chat or a lot of musicians in the chat have, have thought about it. You know, Social Security is going to be bunk or gone. And it's very hard, especially for people that do live in the gig economy, like DJs, mm -hmm. for so much of their life. Uh, you know, it's you're, 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 it's not paycheck to paycheck. It's gig to gig. Well, there was a certain point. Once about 2000, I was, I was trying to buy more. So once about 2008 hit, I think that was around the bubble, right? That Something was the, like that. Yeah, global financial crisis. Yeah, so I'm bad with dates. But once that hit, they were like, you, can, you don't qualify for a loan. I'm like, what are you talking about? I got three properties. They're like, nah. They're like, your monthly income is bunk, dude. I'm like, no, I made this much then. So feast or famine in the music business. That's the other thing. Thank God I did it in 2000, 2003, because they're looking at what you make a month. They're not, they're not going to your bank account go, going, oh, yeah, this is how much he has, and this is what, you know. They are considering it, but they want to know what that monthly income is looking like, for real, for real. And that changed after the bu uh, bubble burst. So yeah. that was my biggest, like, holy shit, man. Like, I got lucky. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, they definitely. That's my TED talk, everybody. <laughs> well, they, they seem to be tightening up things even more so now, too, with the yeah. COVID yeah. stuff. It's so. still the best investment, in my opinion. You know? Land? You'd say put the money into land? Or multi-units, yeah, multi-units, and probably out of California. There's no more meat on the bone, in my opinion. You know, there's there's nooks. You know, there's always deals, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm looking other places at the moment because uh, I just can't see it. I don't know how I can get in and have it make a profit, profit making sense. You know. Well, I think that's also a really nice point too. Is like, you know, it doesn't have to be in your backyard necessarily. Right. Yeah. So if it you can't afford and it's scary when it's far away, but my back is against the wall at the at the moment. You know. A lot of most people's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then you know you're talking about uh, you, you said you you were talking about financial stuff, and then um, what was the other thing you wanted? You said people don't talk about enough time, timing, timing. This is the time, human metronome. This time and timing. My goodness, boy. If I had a yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm so lucky to have met J5 because of the timing. We're all in one room together talking about dreams and what you know failed demo attempts at major labels and. Oh, really? Damn, this MC, like soup, you know, just as much about I do with 12 inches. This is crazy. Like, that's good timing. You know, that's right place, right time. But then there's also the thing that, I, you know, as soon as I hit 50, literally the next morning, I was like, oh, shit. Like, it's not that you need to turn down the gig because of the money. You need to turn down the gig because of the time put in. So it depends what mm. they're requesting of you. You know, we want all Persian anthem trance, you know, with the birthdays in May. You know, I was like, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of planning, homie. You know, that eats up your time, right? So um, I've been more aware of how I want to spend my day-to-day -day and my creative. Um, and I don't think enough people talk about it. At least I don't hear it enough. Anybody see stuff about time, please tag me because I'm, I'm kind of infatuated about it at the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, time is money. We have, I have less runway ahead of me than I did behind me. That's what it comes down to. And that, do you feel that as you've, as you've got older, that that's become more apparent? Yeah, I mean, I feel better than I ever have in my entire life. I mean, energetically and, you know, mentally, don't get me wrong. But, you know, after my father's passing, I was like, oh, shit, 83, he passed. Goddamn, like, uh, I better start crossing out that dry erase board. You know, the I really want to work with Farrell Munch. Okay, let me let me just holler at him, come humbling to, humbly to him and send him my best shit. I want to, you know, which I haven't yet. Uh, but there's a lot of things on the list, you know, and there's a lot of things in family world I want to do still, too. But, you know, yeah, it's just a reality, man. You know, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear to learn about your father. And oh, yeah. It was um, I bring him up because he was an amazing guy. You know, we shared a good musical bond together. So rest in peace, George Potsick. Yes, yes, yes.
October Wh- 17, his birthday. Yeah. Oh, no way. Coming up. Yep. Wow. Anniversary, baby. Are you? Are you? Pl- have you got anything planned? <laughs> no, nah, low key. I'm gonna make sure his his wife is okay. She's going through some health problems, so I'm gonna make sure she's catered to, or at least some flowers and a card, or yeah. a hello and all that. <laughs> I don't know. How do you handle this stuff, right? Yeah. It's like all new territory, baby. But uh, you know, we're all learning together. We're all getting older and going through the musical experience and the tug and pull of family life and music together. So I want to talk about it if people listen. That's awesome, you know? man. I appreciate you sharing that too. Yeah, and man. I mean, it's it's real shit. It's not. It's yeah. something that we're all probably going to have to deal with if we haven't already dealt with That's it. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. And the only way to get better is to talk about it. Absolutely. That's where my head's at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to ask you one of the questions was specifically, and I didn't know if it was if if you're okay with talking about it, but what are some of the the, the most important memories that your parents gave to you through music? Well, you know, oddly enough, I I don't really come from a musical family. My dad just liked '50s rock. And roll because that's when he met women, oh, and yeah. so he's oh my god, Mark, I used to go to the balls and the, you should see these broads. Oh my god, like, you know, he had all these fond memories, especially towards the end. He had dementia, so he would talk about it, and that's why on my Instagram I started breaking out my portable turntable and just going, okay, if I can rock my dad, I can, man, I can do anything. I think, so I played a few ones. They they flunked, and then a few more. He was like, yeah, he goes, and he was kept doing this thing that he never did before. He was like, he was like, I love it, I love it, I love yelling, <laughs> <laughs> you know, his full blown dementia, and he's you know pumping his fist like this, like you know, I was like, all right, cool, this is interesting. Like this is really does kind of solidify my whole thing about the heart, you know, if you can tap into people's psyche, but really touch their heart. That's that's the move, and yeah. Sometimes I flunked, but sometimes I got them really good. Oh, man, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, to be able to do that, that must have brought, it, brought him so much joy, too. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we, we bonded even more at the end, you know? So it was cool. It was, it was really my selfish way for closure, to be completely honest. You know, if we're going to be 100% with each other, it was my way to mend the end. <laughs> Give yeah. it a new hue, baby, because it's, you know, it gets so serious. Yeah. Um, and so your, your mom... She's uh, so mom's side. She was a belly dancer, you know, oh, no studying way. to be an x-ray tech. And so that's about as musical as it gets with her. But she didn't listen to a lot of music like, oh, I have to get this, you know, Diana Ross 12 inch or anything. like. It wasn't like that. We didn't have a lot of records in the house. We had a small maybe 20 records and they're all belly dance records. And the, uh, so your mom's from from Iran, Iran, Tehran. OK. Yeah. And your father is from LA? from Chicago. So I'm half Iranian, half Czech and Polish. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy though. Hell of a mutt. The the belly dance records though. I mean, did you have? Did you find some gems on there? You know, I was a little snotty nosed smartass at the beginning. Like, oh, mom, what do you got these? You know, I'm working on an all Middle Eastern mix right now, and there's some heat on those. Like, shit. Like, I was like, oh, that's a break. Like, I never even heard it. Yeah, I mean, that the music, those especially yeah, Middle Eastern sounds, yeah. th- they work so well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um. Speaking of, uh, of of older records and, and also being an avid collector yourself, I know that you've got some interesting stories about c- how you got you know your first uh, stack of records for from making beats. Well, if, I, I'm, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you, you used to buy collections, right? You well, the very first big stack was a guy that my boy Amani and I, aka Bert Blackrack, we've been best friends for thirty years or something crazy. We went to this um, flea market deep in the valley. No one would really go there. And we were just like finding all the, the staples. Like, oh, funky drummer. Okay. He found, you know, incredible bongo band. And I was like, no, you found it. Like, 
you know, when you're looking for the classics at the time, it was all happening at that at that point in time, 87, I want to say, shit, I, I forgot what year. But finally, we just said to the old, it was the old black guy, he, he loved jazz, he was always playing jazz. We finally said to him, like, hey, jokingly, how much for the whole lot? He had 20,000 records, and he said, $500. Whoa. And so we were DJing every weekend at that time doing the house parties, like I told you. We probably do two to three shows a weekend, so that was like nothing for us. And I had a job at Carvel Ice Cream, so I was like, I'm like, Monty, we got to do this, bro. Like, Hold on. Carvel Ice Cream? Like yeah. the one that Five Dog talks about? Yep, yep. I oh, worked at Carvel. dope. Yeah, Sorry, this I worked at, that was my first, like, nine to five. Um, and they cussed me out thinking I was another employee from another branch and fired me. I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm not Dave. I'm Mark. Oh. You know, they, they were all confused. That was a really <laughs> funny story, actually. But, uh, yeah, Cookie Puss and all that. Damn, that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, we got the collection, and a good portion of those records were used for the first J5 records. Wow. All the way, like, leading up until I met them, you know? I cut my teeth on those records, basically, you know? That's yeah. how I learned how to sample. That's how I learned about years, you know, that and working with a guy named Brother Soul that we had a demo together. He was a very serious collector, and he actually knew Cut Chemist. He knew, and he could name Cut's breaks that he used for his demo with Charlie and Mark. Oh. So there was all these kind of, you know, Six degrees of separation going on, and I was learning how to dig. And yeah, you're young, you're learning, you're experiencing things in such a beautiful way. And uh, yeah, what a great way to inherit like so much, <laughs> so much like quality vinyl. There was a lot of clunkers in there. Don't get it twisted. Oh, okay. There was like it was more clunkers than heat. Trust me. And I, and that's the best lesson really in digging, right? Knowing how to sift out. Yeah. You don't want to listen to that record, bro. You ain't nothing <laughs> on that. Every now and then they sort of shock you. Don't get me wrong, but something with a whack cover and this, this huge break or this enormous jazz sample that you just have to get your you know teeth sunk into. But for the most part, you when you know, you know. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and shout out Flea Market. It's always a good uh, yeah, man. opportunity for, for spots. Or uh, charity shops, as they say in the UK. <laughs> Is that what they say? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, now, uh, also digging in, in, the, in the digging world, um, you, uh, you, you have a story about Kanye West. Hmm. And um, you mentioned before we should we should have a little chat about this. Hmm. Uh, you have a you have a relation. You know Kanye. You've had a, a a part in his career. Yeah. So one of my transitions out of X-ray school, Matt, <laughs> was also working at a independent label on the West Coast called Correct Records. It was sort of trying to be like the West Coast version of Raucous. Oh. A bunch of different underground groups and I think one reggae artist, and so. There was an artist that they wanted me to do college pr promo, A and R, clean up around the office, everything you could think of. You know, like I'm like I'm like cool. I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll you know I'll take papers out. I'll throw away the trash. Whatever. I just wanted to get in and have a earn a, a paycheck. So, I signed an artist by the name of Grab. He was an MC out of Chicago, and he gave me a demo with about six songs. I want to say, and one or two of those songs was with a kid named Kanye. So this was 1996. So I listened to it and I said, Grav, if you can get Kanye to do the rest of the album, we'll put this project out. And so he did. So if you look up a record on Discogs or anywhere else called Grav, it's called Down to Earth is the name of the album. Let's see if I can pull this up. This is You'll see that I have A&R credit. So um, yeah, I was the first person to put out Kanye, his production on vinyl. There it is. First thing popped up. Awesome. CD so only. CD. Now the CD is worth a grip. Um, here we go. Oh, Newmark. Mixed by Newmark. Yeah. Here we go. I did uh, DJing on it, mixed it, A&R'd it, 
Wow, and yeah. yeah, you got the Kanye credits on here. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah. Al Tariq on here? Oh, Al-Tariq's yeah. Al on there because we signed him as well to that label, Beat Nuts. Doug Infinite? Doug oh, Infinite man. Was on no there. ID? Oh, no wow. ID. It's yep. You got... This is this looks dope. So this is well before Rockefeller. Um, and I'm glad he found Rockefeller because they were able to put his shit on the you know, platform he needed to be on. He was just so anxious to show his art. I remember that about him. He hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> yeah. He's he was ready. So shouts to Kanye, shouts to Grav, shouts to Correct Records, Al Tariq, No ID, all those folks, man. Wow. Good times. Innocent times too. And uh yeah, you're not kidding. 186 for a CD. I saw it higher once. Do I you have a copy? Uh not the CD, but I have the vinyl. Oh, fire. Yeah, yeah. That is expensive and um Verbal Attack by Black Attack, which is a artist that we signed. I love that song. Yeah, that went for a lot of money for a long time. I don't know if it's still going for a lot, but collectible records, it's the never-ending chase, right? You signed that record? I didn't sign it. I helped out a lot on that record, though. College promo and all that. I did a lot of the legwork. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, that was like a, cool. I was, as like an underground rap 12-inch yeah, yeah. that you Those needed. The college radio days, you know? Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> like, really great sample on that one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they killed it. They killed wow. it. Wow. That's really sick, though. And so, yeah, like, you're, what, you're, you know, do you talk to Kanye still, or is there any? No, but I did see him when J5 uh, <laughs> went on at the Universal Amphitheater. I think we were second to last before Outcast, and we, we really had a good show. It was one of the better shows, and we talked a little bit. I don't even know if he saw the show, but um, I'm like, yo, what's up? And he was like, yo. So kanye when we were in those sessions in 96 drew a perfect pencil drawing on my face at the mixing console and so i'm thinking about maybe nfting it or something oh you got it <laughs> i have it yeah oh, i have the wow. physical copy too my mom loves it it was hanging at her house for a long time that yeah that's yeah. definitely gonna be worth yeah. some, some serious money but you should keep that that's he's he was amazing. a great artist man he he nailed it with a pencil and like and, and signed it 97 wow yeah yeah that's when we were recording 97 yeah because we started 96 yep yep that's a wild story, man. Yeah, man. Crazy. Um, so, but he was producing, so you had it, you, you heard, obviously. Yeah, that yeah. I told Grab, like, dude, <laughs> finish the record with, with Kanye. And he did. It was like, I think he ended up doing six or seven songs on that album. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it looked like a lot. Yeah. Um, now, y- as a producer yourself, um, you've, you've done, I mean, you've done some of my favorite tracks for, for Jurassic 5, some of your favorite tracks. You've done the, p- the project with uh, Trademark, with, yeah. with you and, and Slim Kid Trey. Yep. You've done uh, Zodiac Killers with Method Man, um, so many great, so many great songs. But you've also put out a sample pack pretty recently, Create Expectations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I'm really, I, I mean, I've, I know a little bit about it, but I kind of want to let people know about it as well because if you're a producer and and you're into you're into drums, you're into breakbeats, loops, uh, loops, bass yeah. lines, pianos. It was just kind, it kind of came out of the Run for Cover thing. You know, I was like, well, this year is sort of dedicated to tools for my people, tools for the producer, tools for the DJs, you know, Run for Cover is it's, it's a tool record in a way, you know, you know, you can get it in and change the way people feel uh, at a certain time of night, you know. And I was like, well, how come I've never done like a scratch record like Battle Breaks? I'm like, ah, I don't know, maybe because Hubert and all those guys do it so well. So I was like, all right, well, shit. How about my producer friends? You know, what what can I give them? And I did my first one, you know, um, and it did OK, but I quickly got feedback that people want musical loops instead of just drums. Yeah. And so I'm adapting. I'm working on a new pack called Create Adventure, as a matter of fact, that's going to drop on um, Black Friday. 
Um, so yeah, it's just kind of the year for tools. We're home, you know, we're reading comments on boards and like, okay, let, let me just output as much as I can and not just uh, turn into a curmudgeon. It's like, oh, there's no more shows. You know, I don't want to be that dude. <laughs> you know, I miss people, don't get me wrong, but um, this is a great way, great way to give back and stay um, active and, you know, cut my teeth at something new. And it's cool too, because um, you have a lot of really cool outboard gear. And one of yeah. the things I, I saw, like you, when you talk about it on your website, you talk about like all the equipment that you used to cr to to create a lot of the sounds. Yeah, you know, vintage compressors. And yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, I've been collecting that for a while because I I work a lot in the motion picture industry where they ask me to recreate some James Brown thing, and I'm like, okay, that's you know heavy lifting. You need a certain mic. You need tape. The player, the instrument. You know, the mic is really essential though, because it's the first thing the sound hits, you know, that and the instrument. So over the years, I've just been slowly grabbing one piece at a time, not claiming, hey, I can record your shit to sound like Daptone Studios or nothing like that, but just slowly doing it for myself and for the sample pack um, and the producer community uh, so I can get some texture that they, they like from that 1968 to 74 era, you know? So yeah, I mean, this is this, so the great expectations is treated with the same approach you take doing soundtrack stuff because you also were you've done really some really cool soundtracks too yeah um that was really tough work and i'm glad i did it because it kicked my ass like i've worked on both ride along one and ride along two with kevin hart and uh, ice cube and uh, alongside uh, uh, with uh, christopher leonard who scored it so I did that. And I just did the recent Tom and Jerry animation. No way. Yeah. 20, I love Tom and Jerry. I saw that. Yeah. Was the, so dope. 2021, I was like begging them to do If You Is or If You Ain't My Baby <laughs> with the baseline. They, they're like, no, we're not doing that. I'm like, ah. Oh, man. Shit. But I work with a great group of people there. And shouts to Christopher Leonard's. Um, so they're, they're slowly opening the door for me, Matt. You know, they're slowly going, yeah, okay, new. Handle this, this, and then this, you know. So, you know, the credits are getting a little bit bigger. And I love it because it really pushes me. And uh, it's not like I can draw outside the lines. Like, it needs to sound exuberant. Can you paint exuberant? I'm like, fuck. You know, like, you have to, like, really get into a zone, you know. So I love that. That's awesome. And it must be nice also just to be doing something related to music but not in the music industry per this se. This is true. This right? is true. Because, you know, you put your heart and soul into a project and, it, you know, it's, like, uh, it's kind of lukewarm. It's like, damn, I spent two years on that bitch. Like, Mixing alone was a motherfucker. Like, you know, you, you really, it's blood, sweat, and tears in this game. So to do something that was like, no, imitate. Yeah. And then from that came Run for Cover because I was doing a lot of imitation. Trace, ah. trace, trace. Trace, but make it different. Trace, but don't sample. Trace, but make it different. Trace, but don't do an interpolation. It was always, you know, feel, 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 feel first, you know? And I was like, fuck, this is like, I got to give these guys credit. I mean, you know, Danny Elfman, my God. Yeah. Dude, what a career that guy's had. Like, yeah, these guys are, are like my heroes. Like, you know, at this age, this is what I really look up to, you know. That's awesome. So, yeah, what, what are some of your favorite scores or soundtracks? I think anything Danny's done, Danny Elfman, you know, anything he's done, really, honestly. The Simpsons alone, you're like listening to him, like, Jesus, oh, yeah. it sounds like a fucking roller coaster. Like, God damn, like, that's not easy to do, you know. Especially in that era, that was before the drop and the da 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 da, -da and the mm. thing dropped. It was before that era when he came up with all that. But you feel like you're on a roller coaster, man. So, yeah, he got it across. Yeah, and you know, it's that is such an unconventional melody, too. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, when I was younger, I went to school for jazz improvisation. Oh, I didn't know that about you, man. Thank you. Um, Very cool. But uh, yeah, I hope you don't mind. But the cool thing was, is specifically, they um, they talked about the 
the interval between the first two notes of that theme. It's kind of all over the place. Right. And that was the whole point. And they said specifically that interval, if you can remember that, that we did it for what we called air training yep. at school. So you'd, you know, you'd learn the intervals between two notes and you'd be able to determine the quality of the, the harmonic quality, whether yep. it's major, minor, or yep. chroma- uh, chromatic, things like that. Um, and that one, specifically, the Simpsons theme is, uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it's a augmented fourth uh, the, or tritone. I, I can't remember exactly off the top, but they were saying this is probably the easiest one you're going to be able to remember because it's so, you know, we all know this theme. It's so dynamic. And you'll as, as long as you can make that first interval and then yeah. join other notes, yeah. then you always know that that is this. And it's crazy because everything they teach you about theory is like, yeah, no, the notes are actually closer to each other than you think. Yeah. And in his shit, he's like, nah, fuck everybody. I'm going to go <laughs> right to the extremes of the keyboard. <laughs> like, For okay, real. Okay, here we go, Danny. Yeah. So, I mean, I used to, I was a fan of Oingo Boingo and New Wave music. So, like, following his career was like, oh, that's what right. the hell? You went from Oingo Boingo to this? Like, shit. Like, anything's possible. You know, these are the kind of heroes that, that make me believe that I can do whatever the hell I want as long as I, you know. Put my head down. Don't look at the other horses in the race. Yeah. Just come on. Just grin and bear it, bro. You, you, you can do it, you know? Oh, yeah. Now that you brought it up, though, I got to say, man, one of my favorite Twitch streams, obviously Twitch streams, have, I mean, shit, we're on Twitch right now, but Twitch over the, you know, the pandemic has been like a lifesaver just entertainment-wise and being yeah. able to like see sets from people like yourself, uh, Spinner, Jeff, yeah. Bastard, the list goes on, yeah. you know, um, and even people that, you know, I know, like Spinurita, yeah. But I didn't really get to see that often. You know, they were streaming so regularly. I was able to like really see how great they were at, at yeah. playing music and different music all the time, putting me on to music. Yeah. And the cool thing about your stream, one of the ones that you did was um, also for a, mi- a mixtape that you made was all the new wave stuff. <laughs> that was fire. And I wasn't even affiliate. <laughs> That's right. I, I didn't know anything about how to be an affiliate. I didn't know what affiliate meant. I had to talk to Gaff out of uh, Saskatoon. Shouts out to the man, Gaff, DJ Gaff. Um. He's like, nah, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big up, yeah. Pull your pants up, new. No, come on, bro. <laughs> Give it the program. Him and, and Bassett, thank God. What's with you, you Canadians? You guys are just the best. What, what is, what's going What's in the water out there? <laughs> I don't know. Ship it down to Michigan or something, man. What's happening? <laughs> we definitely, uh, I think the proximity to the States and seeing what, every, every, what happens down you here. You guys are a different caliber, dude. Like, without those brothers, man, I'd be still fucking, here's another song, you know? Like, I, 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 yeah. Those but guys are definitely on the pointy end, pushing it forward. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Bastet is is an inspiration yeah. in a, sen- a similar way. I, I feel about. I've it. had some of the best laughs with Bastet on the road. I mean, we've laughed our asses off. You know, like, he's an incredible human. Yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, another thing I focus on now is humans. You know, like th- that's what I got from Biz Marquee hmm. because he showed up at playlist retreat that Jazzy Jeff throws, and man, if he felt that you were excluded out of a conversation, he was bringing you in. Like, he was talking to, like, Cash Money, Jazzy Jeff, uh, Spinna, and somebody else, Kid Capri. We were at lunch, at, at the lunch tables, you know, taking a break at uh, Jeff's uh, playlist. And I was just kind of feeling small. I mentioned this on Cut's podcast about about Biz. I was just kind of feeling like, oh, my God, these are huge giants around me. And they're telling stories. And out of nowhere, Biz goes, no, Mark, remember when we raided that warehouse in Bakersfield? <laughs> I was like fuck where did that come from you know but he just always brought you in he's very human just just he was music first and i was like man this dude <laughs> incredible That's true. yeah god bless you biz rest in peace my brother yeah rest in peace biz Marky. what a yeah. treasure and you're completely right like he'd make you feel 
like his friend. Like you were home. Yeah. Like you guys grew up around the block with each other. Like I always felt comfortable around Biz. Yeah. Always. I got I got like three more stories like that where I was like, whoa, he did that for me? Like wh- why? <laughs> you he's know, a he's, he's just an amazing guy. Amazing guy. Yeah, and the, yeah, like you said, kind of like no ego, just Yeah. No, he doesn't even know what that shit is. Yeah. But he you know, could could have justifiably could have had like the hugest he ego. He could have been anything. Yeah. He could have been that guy. But he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh amazing inspirational person. Yes, sir. Um so through all this, um, one of the things that we ask our guests every time they're on the show, and um, it's always like a, a really important, a really important question because it's something that speaks so personally to everybody. Um, and we, we like to know the question is, you know, what does the power of music mean to you? Oh, it's transformative. So, you know, it, you take a genre for instance. Let's take let's take Brazilian music. Brazilian music for me transforms my thought process and matches where I'm at and neutralizes any fucking pH balance that's off in my body, man. I don't know how else to put it, but when I'm feeling sad, man, I'll put on some, you know, Gilberto and listen. I'm like, oh, my God. Next thing you know, I'm in a different space. I'm feeling excited. I might need to calm down. I put it on. Uh, pay attention to the chord change. It's just, it's one of those things that have brought people together like nothing else, you know, when there was deep segregation, and guys like Little Richard were going into town and had to pull in from the back of the venue because they weren't allowed to go through the front. And the crowds were split in the middle, whites and, and blacks. That shit brought people together, man. Like, that's <laughs> ain't nothing messing with it, man. Like, ain't nothing's like holding a candle to music in my mind. You know, some people are really into politics and, you know, um, therapy and meditation you know all all good i'm not knocking anything else but music man whew, this is a juggernaut man this is something that could, if it's in your life and you have the right music in your life it's it's it could take you to places you never even dreamed about yeah it's healing mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that's thank you for that mark oh that's a good question um so just before we, we wrap it up we got we're going to have an opportunity to have some uh questions in the chat if you've got some questions, um, feel free to throw them in the chat, and I'll, uh, I'll make sure to ask Mark while he's here. Um, I got a, cu- a couple more things that I wanted to, to talk to you about um, before we get into the questions in the chat. Uh, one of the, oh, we got a raid, too. MJ Cole, MJ Cole gave us a raid. Hey, wow. shout out. UK Woo. garage legend Woo. right here. Big up, MJ Cole. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for the raid. What up, MJ? And, um, yeah, we're, we're just going to talk a little bit about... Um, the the Zodiac tracks working with Method Man. Mm. Did you see? And you, you did you see the the Wu Tang? Um, I haven't seen it yet. No, no, and it's on my list of things. I just got so sucked into the damn. Uh, 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 uh. Damn, I forgot the name of it. Ah, the Korean. Uh, oh, Squid Game. Squid Games. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I yeah. got sucked into that. I was like, I don't know what I watched, but it shit is ill. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I need a breather after that. <laughs> For real. Jeez, there's capping dudes in the dome like nobody's business, but then it turned out to be such a beautiful story. Like, yeah, yeah, man, dynamics at its finest, right? Like, goddamn. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't seen it yet, no. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, uh, the reason why I was asking is because I, I remember one time we caught up and, and you were talking about um, the NWA movie that you yep. watched. And, and you're from L.A. You're L.A. native. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you talked about how much you loved that movie. Yeah. Can you just talk about like growing up in LA and and what that movie kind of represented? Well, the NWA movie was true to heart, man. Like in my opinion, like 
my mom drove me to an NWA concert when I was 13, dude, like with my best friend. It was crazy. And like that particular co uh, concert at the palace broke out into a huge gang fight on the dance floor where you just saw crocus sacks in the air. Uh, there's two gangs that were throwing chairs at each other. Me and my boy Chris Cook went to the back of the room and just watching going, yo, we're seeing like a real live full-blown gang fight with no guns in here like this is crazy like it was insane but that concert ice cube walked out with a black eye for his performance they had a routine where easy e did where is easy where is easy uh, uh cube said that and then easy would come out here i am here <laughs> and then, then would go into his rhyme it was a really dope routine at that time you know so we were like beside ourselves so everything from that movie showing like the LA radiator in the back, like it looks like this pole right here. I don't know if that's in screen, but it was like the thickness of this pole and it had vents. That's LA. And there's a scene where Dre's cutting up doubles of the soul by Hashim. And I was like, this feels like my boy Chris's uncle's house where he used to show me how to mix. It bugged me out. I felt like I was transformed right back to the movie. So yes, it's a plus for me. And I was shocked when I went to the UK and they're like, yeah, I didn't think much of it, mate. And I was like, wow, <laughs> fuck. It really is like a local kind of thing in some ways. Um, yeah, bugged. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with that lens, I'm, I'm going to revisit it and look at it. Uh, it's, it feels like LA. Yeah. The crate on the records when he's talking, the way the, 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 way the records were treated, no covers on them. Not, not cover covers, but no like plastic. It, we treated our records like shit. <laughs> We didn't know nothing about nothing. You know, we were just trying to fucking make some scratch, you know, and scratch. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, it just, it was authentic in my eyes. Yeah. But how much of an influence did LA, has LA had on you, you know, musically? Like, Oh, I mean, it's everything, you know, because, you know, you're, you're DJing house parties. People are requesting shit, like I mentioned earlier. Um, you're learning on the fly. You're seeing the difference between what people were calling hardcore, which really what they meant was, gangster rap but in my mind at the time like oh, hardcore is kind of like chill rob g with the illest samples you haven't heard or like 45 king um so yeah it was like a lot of learning a lot of unpackaging and peeling back layers and a lot of debates um i would go into people's homes in battle i battled in a park once <laughs> like you know just things to just to make money and to learn and yeah you're young and dumb and just with your crew, our crew was Bum Rush Productions. Oh, cool. Oddly enough, uh, Beat Junkies crew is Bum Rush Brothers, I believe. Oh yeah, that's right, J Rock and Babu. Yeah, and it wasn't until I met them, you know, when J Five formed in '96, '7, or, or maybe '96, I realized that, damn, that was your name. How crazy! So, <laughs> killer. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I, it's um, it's interesting, especially because um, you know, you talk about hardcore stuff. Yeah. And hard gangster rap, people associate so much of, L.A. with gangster rap. Yeah. And then you're, you know, you're from LA. Jurassic Five probably wouldn't be considered gangster rap. Definitely not. Um, but there is a ho that whole other p side to it too. Like you got yeah. the good life and freestyle fellowship. Absolutely. There's a lot of growth. There was a lot of people experimenting at that time with the good life. Um, I unfortunately only went probably a handful of times. I had a, a Chevy S10 pickup truck that wouldn't allow me to go too far. But when I did go, I saw some pretty incredible shit. I think I saw it was Peace that took out like three or four MCs in one below in the parking lot at the good life and i was like yo these dudes are crazy <laughs> like new styles birth of new music but knowing that gangster rap still existed and that was the charting music but i also had a huge appreciation for the programming man yeah like trace programming back then was advanced the formula i was like yo 
this dude mixes his shit right. Like, this is how you mix a record. You put that up against some of these other records that were coming out, you know, from different parts of the uh, of the states. Yeah. You know, like, this dude knows how to mix, you know, and it's enjoyable. Yeah. So. And in fact, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jake One, we had a little rap about how much, you know, Jake One and Mayor Hawthorne love uh battle cats production oh battle cats a g man like yeah. you know he's he's musical that's yeah. the key with him like he's a musical cat when i posted my run for cover ain't no fun snoop cumbia cover he's like you better send that to snoop now man like he was just like <laughs> <laughs> funny dude i gotta get up with that guy he's a, he's a good dude yeah um but you know being from la and just talking about the good life and um and gangster rap someone like kendrick lamar comes along mm -hmm. and kendrick lamar being from LA, your perspective on Kendrick Lamar is he is he kind of bridging a lot of those? Because I mean, he's very lyrical, very. Influenced. I was gonna I was gonna say something similar to that. Oh yeah, know? yeah, because he there's a um, a raw authenticity about his shit where you feel it, where you, it feels hard. You know, going back to that word, he feels raw, but he's doing some vocal gymnastics, you know, and so he's it's kind of the melting of the minds in a lot of way, a lot of ways. You know, jazz samples ain't mm. scared to use them, but he still got the 808. Like, so it's really cool to see that transition. Yeah, I think it's so cool. Um, just from my time being down here in L.A., yeah. seeing, like, all these different things mixing together. And yeah. you're like, oh, wow, this is a really L.A. thing, you know? Yeah. And there is a sound. And it's not just gangster rap. It's no. a lot of things. L.A.'s tried to push the envelope a few times, you know. We're serious out here. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I'm gonna, I, got a, I got a couple chats, uh, questions from the, the chat um, in here. Any, any, any performances coming up in L.A.? I'm looking forward to seeing the toy set, to, to, toy set uh, soon. Hopefully, from DJ. Not Sokinam. in. I was supposed to do uh, a Halloween gig, and it went away, which is a sign of the times. Yeah. Uh, there was something going on with the venue, which is the big thing. But February third, I'll be in the Bay for Dilla Day. Um, <laughs> and awesome, Dilla I'll Day in the Bay. Dilla Day Woo. in the Bay, yay! Um, Budapest is coming up. Hopefully, you know, I don't want to say too much because then the stuff comes up and goes away so fast, dude. It's like I've never experienced anything like that. So that's coming in December. Um, L.A., no, nothing really right around the corner. I'll just be streaming until things kind of open up or people, are, you know, want to invite me to their uh, to their shit. Well, if you're not following um, New Marco on Twitch already, you can just pull up the uh, exclamation point follow command in the chat and you'll be directed to his instagram and his twitch account highly recommend following his twitch please do uh, it's super dope um and uh one of the other questions from dj marvel was um, cool name <laughs> I love my homie marvel was asking about um the the newmark logo mm. um being from canada he was asking me, um, are you familiar with United, United Way? Way? Yeah. So it was flipped by a company called Upper Playground. Okay. So they made a T-shirt with the logo flipped upside down and a dot in the middle. And I immediately hit them up because they're my homies. I'm like, please, can this be my logo, man? Can we just, you know, maneuver a few little things? You know, we've already changed it by 10%. I just need to do a few more things. Obviously, my font needs to be in there, my name. But just a few little, I just have a few little notches, and they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. So I got lucky with that. That's super dope. Yeah. I love that logo. Man, I'm, I got lucky with that logo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, what else have we got in here? Anyone else? Um, Budapest is a vibe. Yeah, I'd like to go to Budapest. I've never been. I can't remember the last time I was there, actually. Yeah, I, you know, I really want to be, um, I really want to go to Amsterdam to oh see yeah. homies over yeah. there. Uh, we got a question from uh, Bun Menga. 
is Baby Keem as good as Kendrick Lamar? Is that a, how do you answer that question? I don't, you know, I don't really do the as good thing very well. I, I, I used to be kind of, you know, pig-headed as a kid. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, he's killing that guy and all that. But, you know, th they have different energies, in my opinion. You know, I think Kendrick has really done such an amazing job of um, pulling you in. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. He just pulls you in. Uh, the thing about Kendrick is I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, take me where you want to go. I, I, you can drive, dude. I just want to sit in the back seat. Take me where you You know, a lot of MCs I can't say that about. Like, yeah. a lot of MCs I can't say, man, you can go to the liquor store, then on the 170, and then the 405. Like, I, a lot of dudes I can't. I just don't let go of the wheel like that. With Kendrick, I'm like, what's next? You know? Yeah. It feels like crazy. the Elfman thing where there's a kind of a roller coaster. You know, like, okay, what's next, man? Like, I'm I'm here. You know, food, food you know, candy. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, they're great on a track together. That was... uh. That new one is uh, is fantastic. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, Sunny James says I'm generally buying whatever K Dot is selling, and I yep. would concur. Yeah. Um, not a question, but I want to commend him. Newmark customer service is way better <laughs> than Newmark customer service. I think that's um, <laughs> a slight. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> that was uh, DJ uh, Mitt B. That was actually pretty funny. That was really good because I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask the question. I'm sure you get it. A lot I don't of time. use their gear, Met B, so I don't. I, I don't have a comment. But that was pretty fucking good, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. Um, but on that note, yeah. I do want to kind of wrap this up, and I wanted to ask you if there's one song. Hopefully, I've got it uh, on 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 streaming services. If I could just uh, take us out, um, to from you, could could would you like to make a request? Yeah, I, let's do something from the new album. Okay. Um, between two right now let's see let's see i definitely got the new album because i got it from you let's go ahead and do groove is in the heart okay yeah why not and this is off the new mark run for cover album you can support by going to my band camp just dj Newmark. i'm just gonna make sure i get the right one in here shouts to band camp too they've been the only ones that have really come in Supporting us, man, you know, waiving fees on the first Friday. That's a big deal, man. Absolutely. I iTunes didn't do it. Amazon didn't do it. Yeah, I, a I'm a big streaming fan. services didn't do. I mean, man, you got to give them props. You know, I want to start doing that more. Telling DJs, good job. Telling sites, thank you. Shouts to Bandcamp. Yep. Big up Bandcamp and big up Uncle New. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thank you so much. Big for up, your Sonny. Time. Thank you, brother. And thank you to everyone tuned in right now. I really appreciate you all for, uh, for rocking with us. We're going to take it out with uh, Grooves in the Heart. This is the DJ Newmark cover version off of Run the for Run for cover. cover. Yeah. And this is featuring Lonely Boy. So let's, yeah. let's get into it.
再见。